Before we get into the message today, uh, I think it is appropriate that we take uh, a moment to pray for the victims of the flooding uh, in eastern Kentucky. Um, the KBC has asked uh, for a few things that we pray for as the Kentucky Baptist Convention had responds. Uh, 
Well, it's just been a, a pleasure, it's been a blast to get to do that. Uh, I used to play the drums a lot for worship when I was younger, particularly for uh, my youth group. We had worship on Wednesday nights. Um, and so getting to do that has really made me pause and, re and reflect on uh, how God has used this passion and gift that he gave me in drumming to draw me to him. Uh, you know, when I started going to youth, when I started going to church, I was a freshman in high school. As some of you may know, my family didn't really go to church regularly when I was growing up. And so I got saved in middle school, started going to church my freshman year in high school. But when I started, I only went to youth group. I never went to youth meetings. Uh, I had no desire or inclination for anything other than hanging out with the other teenagers that would like me um, and having fun. And I enjoyed Wednesday night youth group. Now, like I said, they have music on Wednesday nights, and it did not take very long for me to notice that with all of our worship band, there was a drum set in the back that nobody was using. Um, we had a guitar player, we had a bass player, we had some singers, uh, and then there was one kid that they gave like an empty water cooler jug uh, to beat on, keep the beat, because he didn't know how to play the drums, but he could at least keep beat. Uh, sort of, most of them. <laughs> and I don't know why they thought that that was a good idea. It was kind of goofy. They had seen him up there, just beating on the water cooler, sitting right next to the drum set. Uh, but as I saw that, uh, I was prompted to go and speak to my youth pastor and ask him if I could play the drums. I was like, hey, I've known I've played the drums for a few years. I've played the drum set before. Um, I can, I can really help you out, so let me uh, let me get up there. And that was when God really started to move and took this uh, this calling this that He had put in me to play the drums, and He used my youth pastor uh, in this moment because He responded by saying, "Well, why don't you start coming on Sunday mornings uh, for a while and prove that you're you know committed and you're going to be here, and then maybe we'll we can talk about you playing the drums uh, now." I was fine to do that, but I didn't really think it was very fair. I didn't understand the connection. Uh, you know, I, I didn't understand what that had to do with playing the drums uh, on Wednesday nights. Why did I need to be there on Sunday mornings to play the drums? Uh, I didn't have any desire at that time to come to Sunday service, to come to the gathering. Uh, it seemed kind of boring to me as a teenager. It was in the morning on a Sunday, so that was a negative. I'd actually get up on the weekend. Uh, you know, I had to listen to some old guy talk for a while um, about this book I didn't know very well. And everybody was singing these old songs that I'd never heard before. But everybody else in the room seemed to know the words, except for me. Um, and it was honestly kind of frustrating to me at first. Uh, I, My sanctuary in the church that I grew up in, very similar to this one, we had a balcony up there. If you see up there where the youth are sitting, uh, I would sit up there by myself, uh, away from everybody, just kind of minding my own business uh, as the, the service went on. Uh, but as I continued to come uh, week after week for a few months, God began to work change in my life. I was experiencing something that Paul describes in Romans chapter 12. That's going to be our text this morning. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, if you want to turn to it. I'm pretty good at the ESV, by the way. It's different than 
So Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 1. It reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say that everyone among you not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And in gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leaves with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is God's word. So, by the end of a few months, I was experiencing that transformation that Paul talked about in Romans 12. My mind was being changed by testing the waters of coming on Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit was revealing to me God's will for me to be there and to be involved. And so after a few months, I had been coming regularly, and I went back to my youth pastor, you know, I thought, I'm not trying to pass at that point. Um, and I said, hey, I've been coming on Sunday mornings regularly, like you best. Can I start playing the drums? Uh, I'm with you next. And he said, uh, well, why don't you come down and join as a member officially of the church? Uh, and if you do that, then, then we can let you do when the spring semester starts. And while that wasn't the original deal, it kind of changed the bargain with me. Uh, I was, at that point, willing to, to do that. And, and the reason for that is because over those few months, like I said, God had begun to transform my mind and my heart. I began to see that being involved in these things was in accordance with God's will, and that by presenting myself as a living sacrifice, God had brought me joy and purpose in the church. Because as we give of ourselves, and as a living sacrifice, this gathering can be something that brings you joy, brings you purpose. There's a reason for us to be here. It's not just this arbitrary thing. And the old Cody didn't understand that. But as I started coming faithfully, without understanding God's will, or why he was calling me to do this, but I was striving to be obedient, uh, and I also really wanted to live God used it as began to transform my mind, and I was open and able to see what the purpose of all of this was. And the reality is that coming and gathering like this, coming together as a church, not just on Sunday morning, but just the regular life of the church, it's something that is essential for all of us. We are all an essential part of the body of this church. All of us have a place in God's plan for this church. Even if we don't always see what that is. What I've seen at first is an opportunity just to play the drums every week became a blessing, not just for me, but for the whole church. I didn't see that at the time. As I got older, um, people would come and share with me uh, about how my, my faithfulness and my commitment to the church have been a blessing. Uh, the more and more I got involved and sacrificed my time and service to God's people, the more I found joy in my service to the church. And 
again, when I say service, I'm, I'm chiefly talking about the service of simply showing up consistently and being actively uh, engaged and participating in, in the life of the church and the corporate worship of the church. Uh, I discovered that my faithfulness had been an encouragement to the older folks in the church, that the faith that they had lived their lives for was being passed on to the next generation. They were able to see that um, in me. I became an encouragement to my youth pastor because he was able to see the fruit of his ministry being born out in my life. You know, he's told me, and as a, as a youth minister myself now, I hear this sometimes um, in, in some circles, that there's no point to youth ministry, that there's no reason to have it. Uh, and what my youth pastor has told me is that when he hears those things, he thinks about students like me, who without youth ministry would not have been where I am today. God used his ministry faithfully to transform my life. And so I was an encouragement to him. Didn't even know it. And that became an encouragement to the younger kids in my church because they had an example to follow of someone who was close to their age, not decades older than them, that was passionate about God and his church. I wasn't doing anything special. I was just willing to be directed, willing to come and give myself as I was needed. In areas that I wasn't always comfortable serving in. Uh, you know, I, I would do some volunteer work sometimes. <laughs> I was way outside my comfort zone. But they asked for hands, and I was willing to come as long as they were willing to have And God used that faithfulness to encourage the faith of others in the church me. And the thing is, the way that we think about our place and our role in the church is extremely important. You know, in the American church here in the West, uh, there are primarily two approaches that I see uh, that people have towards their participation in church. And these approaches produce two very distinct cultures uh, within the church uh, around our country. The first, unfortunately, most common approach the most common mindset that people have as far as their participation and their place in the church is, um, comes from a consumer culture. And the reason for that is because we live in a society that is very consumer-minded, and it infiltrates the church at times. Uh, and I, I describe a consumer culture in church as being an attitude of participating in things you like, and only those things. Uh, it is also defined by a lack of loyalty and sacrifice to a particular church body. That's something that all of us have affected by, all of us have seen, uh, and at times all of us are tempted to, to be like. Uh, the Cody that only wanted to go to youth group and play the drums had a consumer mindset. I didn't care about how my actions or my participation affected the people around me. Uh, I didn't see how my presence could be used in any capacity or what a 13-year-old boy that didn't grow up in the church had anything uh, to offer or anything to do with the rest of the church. Uh, I just wanted to, to do the stuff I like to do. I like playing the drums. I like showing up on Wednesday nights and playing games and hearing um, my youth pastor share a message. And in my mind, my disregard of everything else in the church didn't really matter. Uh, I felt like my choices only affected me, and if I was missing out on something, that was fine. It wasn't going to hurt anyone or hinder the church in any way. I had a strongly independent mindset about the Christian life. And, and many of us have that temptation, right? We tend to think that our relationship with God and our relationship with the church and the reason why we come, and it's all 
about how can I grow? What do I get out of this? And that was the way I thought. But I was wrong about that. Uh, you see, God calls us to participate in the life of the church or the corporate worship of the church faithfully. Uh, not necessarily just for ourselves, but for the sake of everyone. Uh, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, and always singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your heart to God. And Paul says something similar again in Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. He says, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord of your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So nowhere in these those passages that I just shared with you, or the numerous others that I could show to demonstrate this point, uh, promote an independent mindset for Christian worship and the Christian life. Just look at the passage in Colossians. Paul tells us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Why does he why does he call us to do that? It's not so that we can be personally enriched and that our lives can become prosperous. Although studying the word does have no benefits. But that's not the primary reason. No, he tells us that the reason is to be able to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. We study God's word and we listen to sermons and we come to Sunday school and we sit in the teaching primarily so that we can more effectively love one another and love God. Have you ever thought about that when you study your Bibles um, at home or here at church that the purpose for it is so that you can be equipped to love the people around as well, and, and to more faithfully uh, love God and to be obedient to Him and His commands. It's, it's not primarily about us, right? We think of ourselves last. That's what it means to be humble as we study God's Word. Uh, and yes, there is individual blessing in that, but that cannot be obtained if the reason you're doing it is simply for yourself. If you're striving to live for yourself in doing this, then you're going to disregard all of the things that call you to serve other people. You're only thinking about yourself as you're doing And you're not going to get the whole picture. It is through loving others well that we are blessed. And, and there's many of us in here that can say amen to that, that word. That true blessing in the Christian life comes when we are diligently and sacrificially serving other people. Right? Some of our uh, favorite stories that we like to share about our lives and walking with Christ and the ways that God has used us to help somebody else. That, that principle applies to all areas of life, not just these those small moments. Right? So Paul, Paul continues in that verse in Colossians to say that we should be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So do we sing these songs when we gather together? We just got done singing a bunch of songs. Do we sing them so that um, you know we can be enriched? Do we sing them because we just this is our favorite song, right? We show up to church on Sunday mornings and open the hymnals because it's just that's your favorite way to hear the words. Um, for some of us, that might be the case, right? That might be your favorite way to, to hear God's worship songs uh, done. It might be your favorite kind of music, not. Uh, but if that's the primary reason 
you do it, then you're missing out on what uh, the Bible is, is telling us is the reason. And you're missing out on all the blessings that comes from it, right? The passage is clear that the purpose of singing corporately is to encourage and build up one another as we express our thankfulness to God. Do you ever have that in mind when you sing worship songs in church? We, when we sing with passion and love for God, thanking Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength for being who He is and for saving and sanctifying us, we act as an encouragement to those around us. Right? As I was sitting here singing, and I could hear everybody else in the room sing, that's one of the awesome things about this space, by the way, is you can, it's a lot easier to hear everybody else sing. As I was standing there singing and hearing the rest of the church sing with me, it was just such a blessing. It's an encouragement, and it, it fills me with joy. Um, you know, when I hear uh, my family singing with me, you know, I'm encouraged. When I hear the, uh, the youth at times that I, I get to be near them and they're in the service, it's a blessing. Right? Uh, when we sing with passion and zeal, we can be an encouragement to those around us. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are acting as a fragrant aroma of Christ to those around us. A fragrant aroma. Have you ever considered that you might need that on a Sunday morning? Now, the thing with being a fragrant aroma is there's good fragrances and there's bad fragrances. Right? Uh, as a good fragrant, a good fragrant aroma that this is talking about is when we're singing with passion and love and people can clearly see your zeal for the Lord. Right? Uh, you know, I, I always joke when people talk to me about singing. That the Bible tells us to um, sing with all of our heart and with joy um, and make a joyful noise for the Lord. But it doesn't necessarily specify that it needs to be a pleasant noise, <laughs> which is good because I, I can rarely give that. Um, but I can express my joy in God as I sing. And, and my hope is that that's, that's evident to those around me. And there are many of us in here today that it's evident that there is joy passion in your hearts as we sing together and gather to worship God. And it's an encouragement to one another. It stirs up our affections for God. But on the flip side, if we sing reluctantly, without any passion at all, we're spreading the message around us that God is unworthy of passion and love. That's not a very pleasant realm that we want to spread around. It actively discourages others from loving God. We bear witness for the glory and worthiness of God when we gather together. If we uh, gather with passion and eagerness to sing the songs, to hear the word preached, if we gather um, with uh, a hunger and thirst for God's word, a desire to serve uh, God's people, then that is shown through our actions. And we can demonstrate the worthiness and the majesty of God through our example. We bear witness to that. But if we show up and we give the bare minimum, or worse yet, we refuse to participate at all, if we treat the gathering of God's people in the corporate worship uh, as of low importance in our life, then we're bearing witness to those around us that God is unworthy of sacrificial love and devotion, and that he's only worth the bare minimum. Is that the message that we want to share to the world around us, to the church that we are a part of? And, and the thing is, that may not even be true. You may be someone who is passionate about the Lord. 
demonstrate that on the outside. The only one that knows is you and God. And we're called to love one another, to serve one another. And so sometimes that means stepping outside of our comfort zone and doing things that we're not super comfortable with. Right? I, I use singing as an example um, a lot when I talk about this idea. But singing isn't the only area that this applies. This applies to anything to do uh, whenever the church gathers in Gathering on Wednesday nights with the youth group. Um, Sunday night with the round table, Bible study that Pastor Kyle does. When we get together to serve and do service projects in the community, it, it applies to all these things, but I, I usually use singing as an example. It's something that we can all relate to. I was not always comfortable singing uh, whenever the church did. I used to be very shy. I know that might be hard to believe for some of you that sit near me on Sunday morning because I know that I kind of lose control a little bit sometimes, make it a little louder. Um, but I wasn't always like it. I used to be very reluctant, very reserved. Um, you know, I would at most mumble out the words that we were singing. But as I got older, especially in the youth group, uh, I got to a point in my junior or senior year of high school where I knew God was calling me to, um, to serve his people in a deep, more meaningful way. But also, I was the oldest student in my youth group by far. I was the only high school boy that went um, to my youth during the time I was there. And there wasn't really a lot of other active high schoolers. And so, my example uh, and my leadership in the group was important. And I began to realize that. And I, and I the, God just revealed to me that if I stand up front and I'm unwilling to sing, those who are younger than me are not going to be comfortable singing. And so for their sake, I started stepping out of my comfort zone and singing because it was important. And I've been blessed by that. And now I found a new joy and a zeal for, for corporate worship and love. Yeah, they're going to singing. Um, and, and the point of all this is to say that when God is calling us to embody, it's not a consumer mindset, a selfish uh, individualistic mindset of the church, but rather a sacrificial servant mindset and approach to the church. The sacrificial culture of church is defined by an attitude of giving of yourself and love to the church, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's always enjoyable or not. So if the consumer culture says, what do I get out of this? The sacrificial culture says, what can I give of myself to this? If the consumer culture says, uh, because I don't really enjoy this thing that we're doing, I'm not going to come to that church program. Then the sacrificial culture says, in spite of the fact that this activity doesn't seem like my favorite thing or it's outside my comfort zone, I'm going to come and participate because I love my church, I love God, and I love His people. If the consumer culture says, if I have to choose between going to church or you know, let's, let's watching football, going camping for the umpteenth time this year, uh, taking a day off to relax and sleep in, you know, that, et cetera, fill in the blank. It's fine. It's not going to affect anybody else. It just affects me. I'm the only one that's here. And that's what the consumer culture says. Then the sacrificial culture says, while I enjoy these other things, and they are good in their time, I'm going to make a, an effort to structure my week around the life of the church and not the other way around. It may mean I'm going to make some sacrifices, And I'm not saying this uh, without acknowledging that this can be a hard thing for us to do at times. 
I understand. Sometimes it may even seem impossible to do. And not any, everyone can sacrifice to the same degree as everyone else. We're all going through different struggles. We're all going through different phases in life. I understand that my position uh, and where I'm at in life as just a young married man um, who works at the church, I have a lot more freedom to be able to sacrifice my time for the church than a, uh, a loving, devoted father and husband of, um, father of seven kids who has to work 60 hours a week to, to provide for his family. I know that we're in different places. Uh, and we're all in different positions and different seasons of life where we can give more or less than at other times. Uh, and, and God knows that, and that's fine. That's good. Right? Uh, however, what can happen at times when our life gets busier is we start to make excuses uh, that are not appropriate uh, for not being involved in the life of the church. We let it fall by the wayside. I've seen it happen time and time again. Someone who was really involved in the church starts their life starts picking up. They start getting busier. And they start just falling away. You know, it might go where they were coming consistently every week to, eh, they're coming every other week to church. And that turned into a once a month. And then it turned into, you might see him on the holidays. And then one day you look up and you wonder, whatever happened to them? I hope they're doing it. It happens to us. We have to be careful of it. We have to be mindful of it. Because the sacrifice that God is calling us to to be committed and invest in the life of the church is universal for all of us. Despite the differences and the different places we are in life, uh, despite the fact that we can't all give the same amount at the same time, right? We're all called to sacrifice in some capacity to be involved in our churches. We can't be an island in this life. And when you're absent, the rest of the church feels it. Uh, to demonstrate what I mean, uh, I want to take a second to brag on my youth members. Uh, I told them ahead of time that I was doing this. You may have forgotten. But uh, I, I'm blessed to have just an awesome group of teenagers uh, in the youth ministry who make a big effort to embody this sacrificial culture. Right? They show up for stuff sometimes, and I can just see on their face that this is not the first choice of where they would like to be today. Um, but they show up and they're engaged. And I'm just, I can really use many of them, not all of them, to, to demonstrate this point. But I want to take a moment to kind of brag on Tristan French up there. You can see him, uh, the beautiful face just up there. Uh, sitting where I used to sit whenever I lived here. Um, but, and the reason why is because he's at an age right now that's similar to I was when I started getting involved uh, in church and in the youth group. And when I was his age, I didn't have a very busy life. I didn't participate in sports. I wasn't in any clubs. I didn't really have any obligations outside of church and school. Um, I was even like, I was home alone a lot. So there was really, I had nothing in the way of me giving and sacrificing and being in the church. That doesn't mean it wasn't a sacrifice to be there, but it wasn't a particularly difficult sacrifice. Tristan, on the other hand, if you talk to him, you know that he is a busy guy, right? He is an active athlete year round. Uh, playing every sport known to man, uh, and he plays them well. He has right and proper obligations to his family, right? He's the, the oldest son, uh, and he has a lot of responsibilities, and that's important, and he should have those. Uh, he has a bunch of other obligations beyond that stuff that keeps him really busy. And I've seen a lot of young men in his position use that as an excuse to step away and not get involved. 
and yet, I see him making the sacrifice and the investment to be here. And it's such an encouragement to me. And his parents get a lot of credit for that too, and helping him to be here. Um, but, like, for example, I remember this past year, there were many Wednesdays where he was getting out of practice like, right as youth was starting. And he'd be coming in right as we were starting, um, just tired as a dog. And you can see it on his face. He looked like he would rather be at home late at night. But he was there. And he was engaged. He wasn't just showing up because he was being dragged there. Right? Um, he was making an effort while he was there to be engaged and pay attention and participate in what we were doing. And that testimony was such an encouragement to me this past year. Uh, and in particular, I think about uh, with summer camp. Right? He wasn't sure if he was able to come to summer camp with us this year because he had football practice. Uh, and a lot of guys in his position I've seen use that as a reasonable excuse to not have to bother trying to be at, at church camp. But he was committed and he wanted to be here. And, and they made it work. And he talked to his coach, which is a hard thing to do as an upcoming freshman in the high school football team. He asked if he could have a weekend. He was able to come. It was such a blessing to have him, uh, have him there with us. His presence is so important to our group. And it's felt when he's not there, I think, when he's not there. And as I was preparing this and thinking about how his example and his participation was an encouragement to me, I was, I was getting emotional, honestly, uh, at, at just how blessed I am to have a student like him in my group and to have, and all of our students are like that. His striving to show up and be engaged with the community of our church is a great, great encouragement. And that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about with this message so far. You can encourage and uplift your fellow church members simply by making an effort to be here and be engaged while you're here. You can demonstrate with your actions that God matters to you, and that the church matters to you, and that the worship matters to you. Now, I really can't emphasize enough as well that this is something for everybody to participate in. I feel like we often hear these kind of messages, and we maybe but it glaze over us and think, while, while it's going on, we're like, no, that's a good point. I, I agree with that. And then we forget it the second we leave and nothing changes. Uh, you know, we might think things like, well, that's good for you and all, but I can't do that. Or that may be important for everyone else, but I don't feel like I have much to offer. And to that, I want to remind you what Paul says in Romans 12 again. He says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Right? That we ought not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. What that, what that means, Paul's very, in a very nice way, saying, none of us are special. Uh, all of us are called to the same thing. We're all required to be obedient to God's commands. And again, we're all on different stages in life. He acknowledges that. But we have to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Right? And that's a very lively way of saying that we're not all in the same position. Right? We're not all, we all have the same capacities. But he goes on in verse 4 to say, for in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We're all different. We're all uniquely gifted, created by God for a purpose to be here in this church. Your presence matters. Even if you don't see how your unique gifts can be used, God has a plan. He has a purpose for you to be here. 
Have you ever thought about the fact that before the foundation of the world, before time began, the God who spoke the world into creation thought about you, numbered your days, and ordained that you would be here sitting in these seats. He knew that you were going to be here this morning. He gave you gifts and inclinations and desires and your own unique quirks for the purpose of using you to advance his will and his kingdom here in this church building. We all have a plan in our heart. We all have a heart and purpose in God's plan. We're all necessary. We're all connected. No one can stand on their own in the Christian life. And we should never pretend like we can. Because those are the people that we have to stick to. Uh, one last quick story uh, to demonstrate this point. I remember uh, a few years ago, before I moved to Owensboro and then uh, moved here after that, uh, I lived in Paducah, Kentucky, and I went to Short Missionary Baptist Church. And I went on another mission trip with that church. Uh, went to, I did three trips to Puerto Rico with that church uh, with our college ministry that we had there. And I was very comfortable doing that. I enjoyed serving at that point a lot. It was not too much of a stretch for me to be involved there. I was with my peers, um, and it was a lot of fun and did a lot of really good work. Now, I also did a mission trip once with that church where it was the men's group that was doing this, this mission. And they were going to um, the border of Mexico and Arizona on an Indian reservation. And there was a church there uh, and a ministry that was there to serve the, the res community. And there were a number of men's groups that were going um, in consecutive weeks to build a building for them to be able to distribute goods that were to the people in the community. Now, they were calling for people to come and serve this mission. As many of you know, if you know me at all, that does not sound like something that I would have a whole lot of offer to. <laughs> I'm not a very handy guy. working with um, younger people. 
So it stuck me there. And what I learned after that week was, well, I didn't know how I was going to be used. God was calling me to come and to serve, however that may look. And I had to be obedient to that. Because I had to trust his wisdom over my life. I had to know that God knew what was going on better than I did. And no one knew that that was going to be a thing that had to be taken care of until we got there. And so if I hadn't come, if I had let my insecurities or my fears or my doubts keep me from serving in this capacity, then the mission trip would have been now, God could work in ideal situations, right? He could have still worked a blessing even if I wasn't there. However, it's called an unideal situation for a reason. The, the mission benefited because I was present. Um, with that said, in the same way, every single person in this room has a particular role to play that is essential for the life of the church. My challenge to you today is to take a moment and think about what your role is. How are you involved in the life of the church? If you are, thank God for giving you the ability to serve in this way. Even if your contribution is simply the active participation in the various activities and events we have. I want to say too, there's, there's a number of people that serve in the church that go unrecognized. It, it happens. There are just some roles that are less glamorous than others. And it can feel a time when you're serving in those capacities that there's nobody that sees you. There's no one that sees the sacrifice you're making. But even if nobody else sees what you're doing, your entire life, God sees and he knows and he is pleased by your sacrifice. And there is a reward in that. Now the reality is there's always someone that you're encouraging, helping, even if you don't realize. There's always people that see. So take, take some encouragement. Serving in a capacity like that. Now, maybe today though, you you're hearing this message and you're feeling maybe a little convicted about your participation, your involvement in the church. Maybe you feel like just showing up to church is such a burden, and you don't want to even consider giving more. I want to encourage you with the fact that the more you invest in the church, the more the more rewards you. Because as you get involved and you strive to be enthusiastic, God transforms your heart and mind and gives you joy and peace in the service in a way that you never would have understood if you hadn't strived to be obedient. It's a seemingly risky investment, but that's where faith steps in. We have to trust God not to waste our sacrifice. Uh, I would encourage you to pray uh, seriously with sober judgment. Uh, find some, ask God to see how he wants you to get plugged in, or if he wants you to get more. Perhaps he doesn't want you to get more at this time. And that happens too. Uh, but be continually praying and asking God, how can I serve you? Do you want me to get more, God? Where do you want me? I'm here to serve. I'm here to be obedient to your will, and not my will. A good place to start is to make an intentional effort to express passion and enthusiasm on Sunday morning. And life lived sacrificially for Christ should not be boring and unrewarding. Jesus is inviting us to follow him in a fulfilling life of joy, love, and peace. And that is available. Maybe today you never even considered the idea of being a part of the life of the church. Maybe you don't even know 
the sacrifice that Christ has made for you. I would encourage you this morning as we gather to sing one more song. I would encourage you to uh, pray and ask God to, to help you to see how you can be involved. Maybe you've been wandering through this life seeking for a sense of community that you've lost this past number of years uh, has been tough on community life. And there's been a lot of loneliness play in our country. The offer is open to you to become a part of the family of God. Christ made the way, sacrificing himself on the cross so that you can be saved from your sins. And that you can be brought in for full and be a part of his family. Maybe you've never made that decision. Commitment that I would encourage you to do this morning is to, to take that plunge, take that step of faith, and trust God not to waste your sacrifice. Here's the moment I'm going to pray. Um, and if you need to talk or if you um, just have a desire to uh, come forward and, and pray and ask God to open your heart and your mind uh, to the things that you have in store for you, I would encourage you to come forward. So uh, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for your work. We thank you for this church that you have given us and the ability to gather together and to worship you corporately, to serve and the various roles that you have given us, God. And you have made us all unique uh, and given us particular gifts for time such as this to serve you uh, in this place as you've called us to. God, help us to be obedient to that call and to find joy and peace and service to you. We love you so much, God. It's in Jesus' name.